and ghouls welcome to episode seven of dads from the crypt a tales from the crypt podcast my name is jason i'll be your host tonight and i am joined by jody hello and mondo hello and tonight we'll be doing our first movie cover review of tales from the crypt demon knights and to join us with a special task we have a very special friend from the bloody good horror slack community please welcome natalie Hello, thank you for having me on. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, and I know that, that you're a huge Stephen Knight fan. And as soon as we announced we're doing this, that you pretty much uh, volunteered yourself. So I really uh, appreciate your enthusiasm. So why don't you go and tell us about yourself and your history with Tales from the Crypt? Sure. So I am a, a big horror fan and uh, about 40 years old. I live in L.A. And um, I love this movie. It holds a lot of nostalgic value for me because it was really the movie that got me into horror movies. Um, you know, I had some, I was a very uh, anxious child with an overactive imagination. And uh, I saw a few scenes from Cronenberg's remake of The Fly. I saw a few scenes from Fire in the Sky, which is, isn't even a horror movie, um, but both of those <laughs> gave me nightmares for weeks. Um, so I steered clear of horror movies or horror TV or much of horror anything um, for a very, very long time. Um, and uh, I started kind of getting my, my gateway into horror was like uh, reading Christopher Pike and R.L. Stein books for a few years as a tween and I tolerated those okay but I was still kind of scared of movies <laughs> and then uh, a friend of mine uh, when this movie came out shortly thereafter um, decided it was a great idea to peer pressure me <laughs> into going to see this movie and I was reluctant but I thought well maybe enough time has passed that I can like handle a horror movie um, and the answer was yes. And not only did I handle it, but I really liked it. And, uh, here we are today, man. So this was kind of, this movie here was kind of your gateway then. I, I love it. it. It totally was. And, um, it came out when I was 14 and, uh, I didn't realize until I was doing a little bit of research for the show that it actually came out on my 14th birthday. That's right. Friday, January the 13th, 1995. Uh, fun thing about having your birthday on the 13th is that it's occasionally on Friday. Nice. Um, so I thought that was a really nice little um, factoid there. That's super cool. And also, if I can point out that Fire in the Sky is one of the most terrifying movies ever. Yes. I, st- <laughs> yeah, I stand when by you were that. Talking, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I had this like involuntary noise come out of me when you said Fire in the Sky. Like, I saw your face. Because, yeah, yeah no, that scene with the dude on the table with the stuff suction onto him. Yeah. Like, I, I, just, I had like a flashback there. Like, I didn't hear anything else you said. I was just thinking of that scene the rest of the time. Yeah, it's, it was that scene from that movie. And then in The Fly, it was where he throws up on the donuts and then his <laughs> ear comes off. <laughs> <laughs> Or it might happen in the other order. I'm not sure, but that, it, that was a yeah. 
it, it's Cronenberg, so something's falling off somebody's body in that yes. movie. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I can tell you guys a quick uh, story that'll make me sound like a lunatic. Um, so before I say this story, I have to tell you three things. One is the earth is round. Um, two, <laughs> vaccinations are real. And three, mm-hmm. the earth is not hollow. <laughs> um, but when I was a young kid, probably about, I don't know, Fire in the Sky came out around 93, I think. So I had to been 11 or 12. Uh, we have family that lived in Sierra Vista, Arizona. And we drove through the White, the White Mountains one point because my parents always kind of wanted at some point to retire there. So we drove through the White Mountains and we're driving. I swear this happened. Uh, we're driving and we see a blue light in the distance and it came towards our car, circled around the car and then went away. To this day, I can't explain it. And we were in the White Mountains and I think I watched fire in the sky like a week after that and pretty much slept with the lights on for about a month. (laughs) (laughs) So one, one other little piece of personal backstory about this movie that I also didn't realize until I was doing a little bit of research is that it's a universal film. Um, which I think is interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, my parents met when they both worked at Universal Studios in their 20s. Wow. Um, my, my dad was a, a tram driver and my mom was a tour guide. Um, and then I went on to work at Universal Studios when I was in college. I worked at the food carts. I didn't eat a churro for about 20 years after that. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with churros, by the way. I just got real, real sick. <laughs> yeah, and then my husband actually worked there briefly uh, between jobs, kind of as like a summer gig, uh, I gotta say like seven or eight years ago. So deep family history with uh, Universal Studios. And uh, when we worked there on our name tag, it said our name obviously, but it also uh, had to say our favorite Universal movie. Um, and so everybody at the time, when I was, I got hired like with a huge group of people that were getting hired for the summer. Everybody was picking Fast and Furious because it was just the movie was out and it, maybe it was the second one. I don't remember. Um, but I was like, I don't want to pick Fast and Furious. Like everybody's picking Fast and Furious. So I picked the birds because I couldn't think of a, a better one. But I wish now that I had realized that Demon Knight was a universal movie because I totally would have picked Demon Knight. <laughs> so so I, think awesome. at, well, I think at this I, point now we can say that the Crypt Keeper is a universal monster. Oh, yes. Well, I was wondering about this because I know that HBO is owned by Warners. So I'm curious why Universal distributed this or uh, the logo and not Warner Brothers. But something I'm sure is much more like in the insider baseball than we can figure out. I did some Googling on it. And they were never owned by Universal. I thought maybe they used to be, but no, they've always been uh, Warner Brothers subsidiary. So, sounds like something you should have researched before the episode. I tried actually. I said I tried. I couldn't find anything. <laughs> With all this spreadsheet stuff he does, Mondo. I, 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 as the most unprepared person for every episode, I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to be the one that talks shit. <laughs> Someone not be prepared. <laughs> okay, before we dive in to the main events, um, a couple announcements. So um, if you have not listened yet, please check out our interview with the voice of the Crypt Keeper himself, John Kassir, that was released last Wednesday. Um, and then this week, we are releasing our interview with the star of Demon Knight, William Sadler, on Tuesday. As if that wasn't enough, we're releasing an interview that we did with two of the writers of Demon Knight on Thursday. So make sure you check our socials and our feeds um, for all those things. Now... Let's talk about Demon Knights. Demon Knight was released on January, Friday the 13th, 
1995. Jody, hit us with a plot synopsis. All right. So I'm not going to go into everything, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and put out a spoiler alert here for a movie that came out 26 years ago, just in case you haven't seen it yet. But uh, let's, let's get started here. So it starts with uh, a man we don't know his name at the time being chased by another man we don't know his name. Uh, that's William Sadler being chased by Billy Zane. And they have this massive car crash and explosion that should have killed everybody, but they don't. They both walk away from it. And uh, Sadler, whose name we still don't know, uh, runs off and he's trying to hide. He tries to steal a car. It doesn't work. Uh, and he meets a man named Uncle Willie, played by Dick Miller. And he leads Breaker. Well, that's his name. Sorry. <laughs> he leads Breaker to a boarding house. Uh, where he meets up with all these interesting characters there. So in the boarding house, you have Irene, who's like the no-nonsense owner, uh, played by CCH Pounder. Uh, Jerry Lynn, played by Jada Pinkett Smith, who is a former thief who's there working at this place on a work release program. Uh, you got Cordelia, played by Brenda Back, who is a prostitute. You got Wally, played by Charles Flesher, who is a down-on-his-luck mailman loser former mailman who is in love with cordelia and then you've got roach played by thomas hayden church who Ooh. is cordelia's a-hole boyfriend who shows up a-hole uh, is putting it nicely yeah. yeah oh but but real quick uh, th I'm, I'm digressing from my own plot synopsis here so thomas hayden church we're, we'll get into uh all the talk about talent but i just want to go ahead and mention this while i'm thinking about it thomas hayden church was on a show in the early 90s called Wings, where he played the mechanic. I've discovered that the cast of Wings, if they're in a horror movie, I'm probably going to love it. Okay? Crystal Bernard, Slumber Party I Massacre 2. Right? Oh, okay. Tony Shalhoub, 13 mm -hmm. Ghost. Oh, yes. And this is more controversial. Steven Weber was in the Shining TV version, which I actually like quite a bit. It's not a great movie, but it's the closest to the book. Okay, I just so I do like it for that purpose. Other, other than that child actor, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> he was also in The Perfection just recently, which is a movie that's kind of controversial, but I really like The Perfection. Okay, so, so anybody from Wings, if they're in a horror movie, I'm probably going to like it. Uh, that's a show about a bar that serves chicken wings, right? Absolutely. Yes, sure. All right, cool. I just want to make sure. Okay, so, so back to what we were actually talking about. Okay, so he's hiding there with all this cast of kind of unique characters, and you know they have all these dynamics going on. And meanwhile, uh, Billy Zane has teamed up with the cops to find this guy. And he says he's stolen something from him. The cops are confused about how they managed to get out of this huge fiery explosion and survive. Uh, but anyway, uh, Irene at the boarding house alerts the cops, and they show up there. And there's a little back and forth. They try to arrest the guy. They find out his name is Breaker. And uh, as they're getting ready to take him in, he also, or the cops also try to arrest the other guy, played by Billy Zane. And that's when Billy Zane reveals his true nature and punches through the head of one of the cops, <laughs> which is just a fantastic scene. As also, a, as a, he goes through it, it's like caught. 
it's so caught cool. on there. Yeah, it's yeah. not just the punching through, it's the getting stuck <laughs> and then throwing the head across the room. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, up until that point, we haven't really known who the good guy or the bad guy is, but uh, that scene pretty clearly states Billy Zane's the bad guy. Yeah, I mean, th- th- those cops were dicks, though, so we could have gone either way. Well, one of one of them then is now part of this group, uh, <laughs> Deputy Bob. He, he sticks around uh, for the rest of it. So anyway, so um, punches through. We find out he's a bad guy. Uh, he, Billy Zane, goes outside. Uh, his character's name is The Collector. Did they ever actually say The Collector at any point? I think at one point they did. Okay, I don't, I, I don't know if I need to just keep referring him to Billy Zane as Billy Zane or the collector. One, but I think at one point he says, "I am a collector." Okay, this is it's the collector. It says, "I am a collector." Yeah. I mean, truly, I can't divorce uh, this character from Billy Zane, so I'm going to refer to him back and forth as Billy Zane or the collector. I assume this is what Billy Zane's like in real life, as far as in my head. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and so he, he gets kicked out and they use some uh, blood from this magic key to seal off the doors so he can't get in. So he cuts himself and makes all these little baby pumpkin head looking demons pop up. And uh, so that the, the good guys are all sealed up inside this building. Billy Zane and all his little demons are outside the building. And from there on, it's a fight for survival uh, where Billy Zane is trying to seduce and win people over and possess them and make them kill other people. And uh, then Breaker is educating everyone about what the stakes are, which are much higher than just a scary guy outside the door. So that's that's where I'm going right now. We'll talk about the rest as we go. But that's that's kind of your your setup here. The rest of the movie is mostly trapped in this boarding house. Yeah. trying to survive as Billy Zane tries to infiltrate. Thank you, Jeremy. Well, let me, let, let me just go back one second. So again, fill this in is, everything I missed. There's a lot going on. There's a lot, but you, you left out one of the, one of the best parts. So again, this came out in 1995. So it's the height of Tales of the Crypt mania. The Crypt Keeper is like, you know, everywhere merchandising. And then you get a movie for Tales from the Crypt. And I cannot, I can only imagine like being a bit, if you were a big Tales from the Crypt fan, going to a theater, sitting down and on like this like huge 50 foot screen, seeing the opening for the Tales from the Crypt show yeah. in like this huge format. Yeah, they play the whole theme song and everything. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the entire opening of the show. And then actually goes right into, this is the part you left out, you do like a parody of a Tales from the Crypt episode for like a minute where mm-hmm. this, um, where a wife kills her husband and calls her lover and says, I did it. Come, come here while I, while I get cleaned up. And then, you know, the dead lover comes back and it, and it says, it's almost like, so they say, it's almost like they're setting you up as if you're watching a, t- a TV show from Tales of the Crypt. Yeah. And it's like kind of playing with you a little bit. And then all of a sudden cut, you know, when this like ghoul is coming out of this tub and is about to attack this woman in the bathtub. And it turns out you're the, the Crypt Keeper is the, now the director of Tales of the Crypt. And he's, and then you're seeing like kind of the, the behind the scenes, behind the scenes. Well, oh, and, and speaking of the, the ghoul guy in the mm-hmm. first scene, mm-hmm. did John anyone Le- recognize him? Oh, John Larroquette. That's yeah. John Larroquette. Absolutely. Yeah, he's not, From he's Night not Court and many other things. Yeah. <laughs> if, if he's in the opening of your movie, you know, it's going to be good. That's right. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And don't forget that segment contains both a bunch of boobs and a bunch of blood. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I I really think that's giving the audience what they want from exactly. the Crypt. 
And so they're like, just straight from the beginning, we're going to yeah. give you that Tales from the Crypt stuff that you like. But you know, and all the horrible puns from the Crypt. Ah, uh, the best. Uh, but you know, it's kind of cool though when you think about it. That intro is almost a throwback to season one, episode two, um, mm-hmm. where uh, that 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 episode begins with the woman killing her husband and then calling her lover. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. I don't know so if that was intentional, almost, but I like it. It's almost like you know, as an audience, you're going again pre pre internet and everything. You don't really know too much about what the plot of the movie. So you're going to the movie. You're sitting down, you're getting the exact same intro you are from the TV show. You're getting mm-hmm. the same setup as the TV show. And then it kind of pulls back and says, no, this is actually going to be something much bigger than what you normally see on TV. Yeah. And I just, the image of the Crypt Keeper walking, like as the direct, as the <laughs> director, it's just, it just makes me giggle every time I see it. I don't know if it's like, that it's was, like Kermit walking. It's just, it's it's like, it feels it weird. Like green screen or rotoscope yeah, or it was, something. It, it was, was very actor, strange. It was an actor wearing like a green screen, like, yeah. Mask. And then they just CGI the Crypt Keeper head on someone else's body. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I would like to give this movie, I, I have, I want to give it a shout out. And I also would like to make a tiny request. Um, so I want to give this movie a shout out for being super diverse, given mm-hmm. that it was a horror movie from 1995. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was directed by Ernest Dickerson, a black man who also did Bones and then like a bunch of TV, right? He was the cinematographer um, on Do the Right Thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. And he was also in Horror Noir. He was one of the people they interviewed in Horror Noir, who was extremely interesting. Then we've got Jada Pinkett Smith, who's the black, who's uh, the final girl, uh, essentially. We've got CCH Pounder, who's always great, no matter what. Then you've got Gary Marshall, who plays the deputy. He's an indigenous American. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also <laughs> briefly in the Uncle Willie seduction scene is uh, Tracy Bingham, who was uh, a Playboy playmate and was on The Surreal Life um, and also apparently shares my birthday, January 13th, which I found out when I was looking at this <laughs> That's <stuff. rad. laughs> Nice. Well, you know, what's kind of crazy about it is I never really thought much about the diversity in it, diversity in it because, you know, I grew up in a melting pot here in Nevada. Um, and but to think like even in 1995, that was still kind of a brave thing to do. Like, yeah, definitely. And, well, I have, yeah. I have a theory Absolutely. that Tales from the Crypt must have done the producers or someone must have done a lot of polling to see like what the demographics were for Tales oh, from the Crypt. Point. Because I feel like a lot, some a lot of their marketing and stuff might be very targeted. Mm-hmm. to people of color yeah uh, because love is because a lot of the show is white people gain their comeuppance <laughs> so i think they're kind, i feel point. like they're I almost trying to tap that. into that in some way because i was looking at this i was doing some googling and we're kind of going to the we're kind of going to the end but we'll go, go, get back that uh turns out geraldine is the, the 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 only person that really survives and she's the final girl and i can't think of any movie before this that ever had in African-American or even a person of color as a final girl. And even really since there haven't been like that many true horror movies. Yeah. I would, I would have to like purposefully search, you mm-hmm. know, cause I know they're out there, but like, it's not like thinking of a white final girl where you're just it's like, we have a million options. I mean, if anything, it's like the white final girl who has a black friend who had just happens to survive. Right. right. Exactly. No, you're right. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like in 2021 watching this uh, again, uh, I, I pegged right away that, Jada Pinkett Smith is going to survive. That's only because I know what she's done since then. She was a, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like she was a star. So my mentality was, but up until this point, she had it. She wasn't really a big star yet. Yeah. I don't yeah, think she's making, and she's just so badass. Yeah. I think yeah, she is. Absolutely. She, yeah. I think before this, she'd only done, um, 
and I'm I'm thinking off memory here. Maybe you have it in the uh, no, but she had done Jason's lyric. Jason's lyric was that what it was called? No. Um, and then Menace she to society, uh, and she had done uh, Menace to Society, and she right. had done uh, the movie with Keenan Ivory Rain, uh, a low down dirty shame. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. But but she wasn't like a superstar yet, um, so it's kind of cool because they saw. I mean, she she's a great actress and did fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. So. One one small request, um, and I know that this is, you know, uh, kind of like a, a social justice warrior sort of thing, and I, I apply that term to myself affectionately, uh, that I, I work with, I've, I'm a therapist, uh, psychologist, and I've worked with a lot of sex workers, actually, over the years. Um, there's a, a lot of people, a lot of therapists automatically pathologize sex work in their clients. And luckily there's a growing amount of people who just see it as a job, like, like I do. Um, and so if we're going to talk about Cordelia, can we call her a sex worker instead of a prostitute? Because prostitute is a, a little bit of an old school kind of stigmatizing term. Um, and I, again, I know that might be a little cringy, but. <laughs> no, that, that, that's not cringy at all. Like, as we evolve as society, these are things that we need to do to become better. So no, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yes. and also, they, and they actually kind of go into like her character pretty deeply with the whole. Possession. So sad. I know it's so, so sad. sad. But, oh, we'll get there in a second. So one <laughs> other thing before we get even further, because there's so many layers of things, because we're like super nerd fans of this movie. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack is amazing because the whole opening hey man, scene, hey man. filters, "Hey Man, Nice Shot," which is an wait, amazing guys, I have I have something story. funny to tell you about "Hey Man, Nice Shot," though. Yeah. So I, I tend to watch my movies with closed captioning. Mm-hmm. And so I was watching it on Amazon um, with closed captioning. And of course, as soon as the song starts, like anybody who was a teenager in the 90s, you're like, oh, it's Hey Man, Nice Shot, right? Okay, guys, according to Amazon closed captioning, it's, hey, baby, that's good. What? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's insane. Not, not Hey Man, Nice Shot. It's Hey Baby, That's Good. We've, we've been getting it wrong all this time. Maybe that's like the censored version of, I don't know. That's, oh, that, that, that just stabs me in the heart. <laughs> I had the CD back in the day and it was badass. It had Pantera and Megadeth and Grave Diggers. And um, uh, first of all, it's Grave Diggers, but it's cool. Yes. <laughs> um, and and can we stop talking about the soundtrack because you're going to totally ruin my music segment later? Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but opening um, is just so well done. Cut, it fades out, and then there's the car crash. Yeah, and it fades terrible. back in. Yeah. A, a funny story about Filter is that for years, I I, I say this very, I'm very ashamed of this. For years, I swore, and I would I would have bet any amount of money that uh, the front man of Filter, Richard Patrick. Play the T one thousand in Terminator Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that and I was like, "Huh, okay." This so, is pre. Uh, this is pre internet days. I remember making a bet with a friend of mine back in two thousand and four, and I had to find a phone, a payphone, to call my <laughs> wife to have her look it up on the internet at home because our phones didn't have the internet <laughs> to see if I was right or wrong, and I lost that bet. <laughs> but you were really close because he's Robert Patrick's brother. Yeah. I was very, yeah. I, I, but I was, I didn't know that. Yeah. That I was, close, yeah. Wait, are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But so, I was completely convinced that he was a T-1000 because I just heard some, I heard something wrong. I mean, they, they bear a strong resemblance to each other. They are brothers that look a lot alike. Yeah. 
Remember no. back in the pre-internet days when you just didn't know things and you couldn't verify stuff, so you just said stuff? Oh, now when we have the internet and we just still don't know anything? <laughs> well, now we have the internet. And people, uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to get into this right now. <laughs> okay, so that actually... Now we just great. know the wrong things. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this actually leads... That's that's a great segue because while I was watching this, it kind of... I start picking out kind of tropes in other movies that this movie is emulating in certain ways, especially James Cameron movies. Because the way that the movie is set up is, you know, Billy Zane is set up as... He's got a cowboy hat. He's kind of got like a button shirt. He's very official, well-spoken. Inbreaker is kind of fidgety. He's wearing a leather jacket. He looks a little schlubby. He looks a little worn down. So you kind of set up to think that Billy Zane's character is the quote good guy. He looks like a lawman, mm-hmm. and yeah. Billy's and uh, Baker is kind of the um, the rebel, the the fugitive. Well, yeah, they, I mean, he tries to steal a car. He's yeah, being which chased. Is very much again like Terminator Two, where you think Arnold. <laughs> The bad Terminator and this other Terminator that is just up like a police officer is the good guy. And then there's the whole twist. Well, they even, feel- they even yeah. have Billy Zane with the light color jacket on with the cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. And they have uh, William Sadler with the, he's got the black leather jacket with the dark and the light contrast, too. Which yeah. is kind of neat. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool how they set that up. Because, again, if you don't know, the, don't know much about the movie, you might have barely seen the trailer. You don't know what. No, they do a great job of playing with that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like it isn't until that very pivotal scene where it becomes abundantly clear. (laughs) What what a great scene Mm -hmm. for that. My God. Like I remember when I, because, you know, this was my first horror movie in, you know, forever that I'd ever seen in a theater because the ones that I had nightmares about I was just watching I happened to walk by as as HBO was on right that's the only way that I saw those right so the whole time I was like super tense I was like waiting something's gonna happen something's gonna happen <laughs> you know <laughs> and then that happened and it was like holy shit and again it's not just a punch it's like violent like and then yeah. CC, CCH Pounder's character does like a spit take yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that shot. We're just like yeah. spitting out whatever. I think she's got a cigarette, cigarette, and maybe some drink or something, and just goes everywhere on towards the camera. Oh, she's so- yeah, just, I mean- it's almost like the alien birth scene in like Alien. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the reactions are great, and then the whole thing where he can't get the head off his hand. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you and know? Then let's not forget Roach. So before the before, right before Can that, they're going that Roach, through, please. <laughs> they're going through each room, and Cordelia is with Roach, and she's got a card battery. It looks like hooked up to his nipples. <laughs> really if she had just turned the vol- voltage up all the way, yeah. we would have yeah. saved a lot of trouble. Well, and just for well, but then you wouldn't get the great line: "My nipples are smoking." and and as everybody knows you never do it to both nipples because your heart's in between those and that can cause uh, you to die oh is that that your dad advice today yeah that's that's my dad advice like you're playing with electricity (laughs) (laughs) i've already i've I've already made a natalie baseball uh so the collector's out there shooting out blood from his hand and then these like Little puppets. Like black light blood, which just looks amazing. Oh, looks yeah. so it's, it's, it's okay. This isn't trivia time, but that was actually glow sticks. Yeah. Like really? They took a bunch of glow sticks and broke them and poured all the glow stick goo out 
And that's what all that shiny blood is. Man. That always cracks me up when you hear about that in the movies. Like, can't they just buy that stuff in bulk? Do they really need to go through and waste all these yeah. glow sticks? They, they actually had to take glow sticks and cut them apart and drain yeah. them like one at a time. Well, no, I mean, I bet you can't buy that in bulk because it has to be activated. Oh. So you can't yeah. activate a ton of it at once, right? I mean, that would just waste it all. Yeah, if there's so. anything, if there's anything amazing about practical effects, it's the ingenuity that these guys had. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, these, these guys and gals had. Like, I just love, yeah. I, I love that. Like, I imagine they're trying to figure this out and they're both like i know glow sticks and they ran to some party <laughs> store and bought mm-hmm. every glow stick and the clerk's uh-huh. like what's wrong with these fucking people <laughs> little do they know yeah mm-hmm. and the puppets are like obviously like there's a fake ground and someone's like head hand is coming through through a little mm-hmm. puppet thing these like little demons are like coming through the ground they're, like all oozy and gooey and i'm sure it's like ky jelly or they're little baby demons at first. Baby, they're, they're so cute, cute. they look like pumpkin head they look like Pumpkin yeah. children. They do. They totally look like before all their hair grows in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in like, but even though, even though you can look at it and know kind of how it's done, like you can be like, okay, the ground's fake and puppet. It's a really good looking effect. Yeah. Like this is the first time in the movie, other than the head punch, that you get some of this really cool effect work. And those things look awesome. And them rising up out of the ground with the glowy stuff. It's so cool looking. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Billy Zane just goes from like, maybe a five or a four, just kind of laid back lawman type to like saying humans, you're not worth the skin you're printed on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're missing the best line when he first goes out. Fucking ho-dunk, po-dunk, weld in there, motherfuckers. Like, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing his whole That's the clip of the night because I, I wanted to you say that line. Tell- that like he's been putting on this act, right? Yeah. He's been trying to be Mr. Suave and Mr. And he just, he, he loses it. He's like enough with you fuckers. Like, yeah. <laughs> It, it reminds yeah. me of when you have to work all day with clients, have to act like you're somebody else, and then you yeah. get in your car and blast a black metal CD on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well, and let's let's not forget. So up until this point, Roach was just kind of like annoying guy, like who was getting his nipples uh, batteried by Cordelia. Um, but once the demon thing starts, that's when his true horribleness starts to come out, right? Because he's immediately like. You know, Breaker's trying to seal the whole place up with the blood from the key. Yeah, we'll explain we'll that. Find, we'll find out more about later. Yeah. But it's pretty clear, like, this guy knows what he's doing, right? Like, he knows what he's doing and what he's doing works, right? He puts the blood on the thing. The demons can't come in, right? They, they try and it gets repelled. But Roach is like, no, 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 no. I know better. I, I got to go. Cordelia, come with me, right? So he brings Cordelia outside. One of the demons rushes up to him. He throws Cordelia at the demon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, runs so, back inside. So, so are you saying that cocky, selfish dummies don't like to listen to experts? Um, I oh. was going to make that comparison a little later in the show because it is in my notes. But yes. <laughs> Roach definitely wouldn't wear a fucking mask. Uh, no. yeah. but, um, or would he get vaccinated? So, like, at the beginning, so though. Well, at the beginning, I thought he was going to be because I've I'll be honest, I haven't watched this probably in six, seven years. And uh, I, I, I didn't remember much about it, but I thought when I first saw it, I'm like, ah, he's going to be the redemption, the redemption story. He's going to be the, the the bad guy who's a piece of shit. But then at the end, lays down his life for um, for the good. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nah, definitely nope. wrong. Nah. And but I kind of I kind of like that, though. I, I like when you have a bad guy and they just go in on it like, you know, he is just a bad yeah. guy and that's yeah. OK. Um. Because so many movies do the bad guy, but they give him like, he's a bad guy, but he wears a cool leather jacket. You kind of want to be like him. <laughs> or he's a bad guy with a heart of gold because he's had a bad upbringing. No, Roach just sucks. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's just hissable. Like when he comes on the screen, he's one of the hiss. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's just, I wrote in my notes, Roach cannot die soon enough. Uh, I thought um, I, I thought Jason said kissable. I did not know where we were uh, going with that. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of heard that for a second. Dude. Ooh, like every time you see him, you'll punch him. Oh my god! Like, I um, I hate him so much. I'm gonna make out with that guy. <laughs> so let's talk about the. So basically, there's the Billy Zane guy is like the head demon, and then he like conjures up all these like minions, and the only way to kill them is by shooting them in the eyes, which is cool. And that's one of the things I love about this movie is it has like a set of rules. That you kind of follow yeah. along with. It's really, it's actually, once you buy into it, it's well thought out. So, like, you have to shoot them in the eyes. They can't go through once there's a blood seal, um, all these things well, like and that. There's the whole backstory, which is just so strangely epic. Right. For a Bills from yeah. the Crypt standalone movie. Yeah, we'll get there in one second. Let's yeah, go. yeah. <laughs> but um, what, what made me think of this is so if you shoot them in the eyes, the eyes like shoot like lasers kind of mm-hmm. at, back out. So these are like the only two real CGI effects that I noticed in the movie was like mm-hmm. when there's a seal, there's like kind of like a little bubble thing that happens in the area. Then when they shoot them in the eyes, these like, I don't know if it's CGI or just animation. But like, again, it's, there's such a good mix of practical because the demons look freaking awesome. Um, and yeah. you've got a mix of practical and CGI and it works because the CGI mm-hmm. stuff is used where CGI works well and the practical is used to, where the practical stuff works well. In but I the, feel like they, they know it's 1995, right? So mm-hmm. they know CGI is not up to the level of practical effects at this point. Right. So they used it really sparingly when they yeah. needed to. Yeah. It's actually a great Rob Zombie quote. And that's really weird to say that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Rob Zombie talked, if you guys have ever seen Devil's Rejects, uh, there's a moment yeah. where they throw a knife at one of, the, uh, one of the women. And that's the only CGI effect in the whole movie. And Rob Zombie, for all things I disagree with him about, he said, it's only good CGI if you can't tell it's CGI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, but, but that applies to modern modern stuff. But I do mm-hmm. love in these old movies when they have kind of that cheesy CGI because it just kind of fits. It just makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. And I really did enjoy the uh, – I did enjoy those scenes. Now, when you shoot the demons in, in the eyes, they shoot these lasers. If you don't move out of the way, they can hit you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of cool. And, again, this is, again, making me think of Aliens. Where again, if you shoot the xenomorph, it shoots acid blood at you. Oh. Get out of the way. So again, I'm getting, I'm, I'm going to go more deeper into this comparison than later on. Um, but again, I like that there's rules. Though my question is, what constitutes a door or a window? So if you punch yeah, a hole, that's complicated. Yeah. In the wall, does that mean the demon can go through the wall, or does it right. go all the way around? See, I thought the exact same thing. And then I realized mm-hmm. that these are the things I think about that make me not enjoy something as much as I should. So I just, <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm, I'm joking about it, but I'm dead serious when I say that. Like, I try not to think of those because sometimes in horror films or in fantasy films or in action films, we know that car can't jump that bridge, but we're going to accept that because it's just, right. Oh, yeah. It, no, this is just strange are working in yet. But no, I like that they have, they have the rules, they're sticking to them. And yeah, you can poke holes if you try really, really hard, but it's it's not meant to be that so, deep. So was it mm-hmm. was it Wally that killed the first demon? The very first? I don't remember. When he shoots him in the eyeballs? Um, uh, Wally saves Cordelia by, yeah. by shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. Wally saves Cordelia after Roach loses her out there. Okay. And then Cordelia has this kind of like realization about that Roach really doesn't care about anyone except for himself. Well, the only thing that bummed me about that is... Uh, uh, you had Breaker, who's like, shoot him in the eyes, but never warned him that, oh, by the way, the eyes are going to shoot laser bolts at you. You <laughs> yeah. should jump out of the way. Yeah. And then he almost dies. So much time to explain yeah. things. 
Like, no, I do, I do think it's funny though because later we find out some stuff about Wally because mm-hmm. Wally is a really good shot, like <laughs> shooting directly into the eyes, pow, pow. And then we find out some stuff later, like, oh, okay. Can I just, that makes sense. I, I never made that connection, and I always wondered, like, wow. I didn't until just now. I was thinking, how oh, it must be actually pretty hard to shoot someone directly in the eyes oh, like God. that. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, has been doing it for a long. Yeah. has been doing it for literally hundreds of years or hundred years. Yeah, well, and I gotta say, this that. actress that plays Cordelia, Brenda Bake, I'm not mm-hmm. sure how. Bake Bach, I'm not I'm sure how to say it. Um, she's really good. Like, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I know she's been in other stuff, but like, she really conveyed. Like, she's very pretty. She's very sexy. So she's got like the sex worker, you know, look down. Mm-hmm. But then she's also she's just so sad, you know. Well, like, and then she's got Roach, and then she's got the Collector. Like, she doesn't deserve either of these assholes like yeah. <laughs> come in and well, try to well, like ruin her and, and you, you know, know and you know what like what i loved about her her acting is you can tell the director told her you're a, yeah you're a sex worker and here's mm-hmm. your backstory and she didn't have to tell you that with her words you just saw it in her acting exactly yeah um yeah. and i was actually really surprised because i i immediately looked her up on imdb to see what else she's been in and hey. nothing really that i've i've seen yeah. but i was like man like like where's her she should be a star like she, she was great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. and Natalie, you it were talking about how progressive this movie is. Like that, I don't notice any judgment of Cordelia at any point. Uh, you know, point. like all the people know what she's doing; they know what her job is, and everyone's just like, person, "Okay, cool." Yeah, the only person who judges her is Roach, who says, "Horse yeah. friends." Well, well yeah, but Roach is a bad guy. <laughs> then she, she gets it back on him later when she says, "Assholes don't have friends." Yes. <laughs> Oh, so she was good. like, "Okay, good. She landed one on him there. Good, good for her. Good for her." Um, oh. But no, you're right. Actually, um, it's just kind of like, yeah, she rents out a room at this boarding house and does her business there, and everybody just kind of minds their own business. Yeah. yeah, good point. They see the light swinging, and uh, <laughs> Jada just kind of smiles. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on up there. Yeah, they're they're she's doing her business up there. Um, but yeah, I actually hadn't made that connection about Wally either. I knew, you know, like I had a feeling that even the first time I saw the movie that when they started talking about how he was upset about getting fired from the post office, mm-hmm. anybody who was, you know, a teenager or an adult in the nineties remembers the whole going postal thing, going postal, yeah. you know? And so I was like, Oh, is this where they're going with this guy? And then later you find out, yeah, <laughs> that is where they're going with that guy. Yeah, but not to be a downer, it's also crazy because in the 90s, you know, there are some post office shootings. And now just shootings are a way of life in America at this point. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's kind of crazy how like kids today wouldn't understand that term because no, it's not really in our vocabulary anymore. Yeah, exactly. And I got to say, Charles Fleischer will never not be the voice of Roger Rabbit to me. No. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I know he's done other stuff, but like he's Roger Rabbit. Yeah. He's also, I was watching Nightmare in, the first Nightmare on Elm Street yeah, uh, a couple that. weeks ago, and he is the sleep doctor when Nancy oh. goes to get sleep tested. No and like I saw him pop up. I'm for like, like a few minutes, but yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I know this guy. And I like have to look him <laughs> up on TV real quick to figure it out. <laughs> Um, so at this point in the movie, um, Cordelia is upset. She goes up to her room and this is where you first get, get the first, um, sequence where the collector has the ability to kind of present to you, try to seduce you. He kind of like, yeah, creates, it's, it's really uh, a seduction, seduction, yeah. but he creates like, um, what's what I'm thinking of, um, a mirage, a, uh, um, yeah. yeah, some kind of vision, vision. He, he's kind of showing. 
yeah, kind of showing them like this is what your life could be like if you succumb to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he kind of he figures out what everybody's weakness is and goes for that. Right. right? And hers, he's just like love. I can give you yeah. love. I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, he, you know, he's full of bullshit. Everyone, I'm sure she knows he's full of bullshit, but she wants it so bad mm-hmm. that she ultimately succumbs to that. And this is like our first yeah. like time we actually see a person. Or Cordelia. Or Cordelia. I mean, she's probably the most tra- the most tragic character in the whole thing when you think yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. Like, she didn't deserve this. Right. No, not at all. And then Wally goes up to check on her, and then she kind of seduces him. But they do that thing, I think it's called the Dutch angle, where the camera, mm-hmm. instead of like being straight on, is like kind of tilted. Yeah. And that's how you know something's off, because the angle's mm-hmm. off. And she ends up killing Wally and turning into a demon. And there's a nice little scene where like her like draw kind of elongates and falls oh, off. Yeah. And really yeah, cool. Once again, that's, I want to point out the special effects in this movie are so cool. The monster yeah. effects yeah. all across the board. Absolutely. Uh, they, they were done by a dude named Todd Masters. Mm-hmm. And he, he had done some Tales from the Crypt episodes. He did the movie Slither. Which also has some crazy cool special effects. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was involved in the new Child's Play, so he's done a ton of stuff. He, he's cool. he's all over the place and uh, won a lot of Emmys, and uh, he he's a big effects guy. Also, shout out to the actors who um, are the play the demons, the like the minions. Yeah, their physical performances are really cool because they're in like these yeah. like, super skinny outfits, so you know they have to be super skinny themselves mm-hmm. to be able to put on these outfits and look and still look super skinny. You've got these like cool like hair. And they do uh, the head like, movements and the body I mean, movements yeah. and stuff. You've got like piercings. I don't know if you noticed that, like some have like nipple piercings, some have like yeah. nose, like nose bowl mm-hmm. uh, rings. And it's just so creepy and so cool. And they're also like their feet are like hooves. Mm-hmm. So they're, I think was it bipedal or tripedal, where they're kind of like walking at a weird angle. Yeah. It's so unsettling. Um, let's see. Okay, so in the ensuing struggle. Um, Wally's killed and CCH Pounder Irene loses her arm. That scene, that scene was so awesome. Um, yeah. And I felt so bad for Irene. Like, I wanted, I, I wanted my heart of hearts. I wanted Irene to be, I wanted her to survive at the end. I was, I was so bummed. I mean, she <laughs> makes it pretty far with the one arm. Oh, yeah. she does. That is a badass woman. She's like, I got yeah, one arm now. Yeah. Fuck these demons. Mm-hmm. I, I got them. Like, <laughs> you know, for the actress, they actually had her wear a fat suit. So that way, when she eventually lost her arm, she could just hide her arm in the fat suit. Yeah. With the uh, okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Oh, um, fat suits tend to look weird because their face just doesn't match kind of what their body looks like. Yeah. You get this I kind mean, of distortion effect. You know, um, Breaker, William Sadler, is, you know, like a very seasoned character actor, right? Mm-hmm. And like every time I see him in something, I'm like, oh yeah, he's solid. I feel the exact same way about CCH Founder. Like, oh yeah, she's been in everything. She's been around forever. And whenever she's in something, you're like, oh, it's gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Thank you for letting me watch the the William Sadler interview mm-hmm. early. Um, <laughs> uh, it was very enjoyable and. I always associate him. I mean, he's probably he's probably done other parts, but when I think of him, I think of like an intense, hard-boiled side character, or like in this movie, the main character, right? But like he in the, he's comes off like a like a chill hippie grandpa in the interview. He's just like yeah. <laughs> he's just a lovely dude, you know. Totally not intense. Totally just like you know, nice and you know, uh, I I really I enjoyed that the difference between his persona and then just his personal vibe. 
yeah, I'm, I'm kind of super bummed. I couldn't be on either of those because of work. Because I think Jason just intensely schedules everything while I'm working. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I listen to part of it. Yeah, and I'm like the guy just got he's just got cool vibes. And for these guys, yeah. and, and to these guys to, inter- to do an interview with us, and we're kind of a startup podcast. Yeah. That's, that's pretty fucking Amazing. rad. And and they don't seem like they're not Hollywooding us or anything. They're just like, fuck it, no. man. I'll talk to those yeah. guys. Like it seemed it legitimately seemed like they both had a good time. Absolutely. Like they enjoyed they just enjoy talking about their craft. And mm-hmm. I think part of that when it comes to celebrities is that they get it, right? They get it like I'm here because these people love what I've done, I love what I do, and mm-hmm. I want to give it back. And and that just I don't know, it means a lot to me. And John Kassir especially, he's a, he's just a natural performer. He can just talk and talk and talk and talk. Because I listened to another interview he did that was even longer than ours. And, like, he went to more details and more stories. Um, and, like, he that guy should really do a one-man show. He could easily do that. Yeah. Just yeah. A man yeah. on the stage for two hours for the, the entire time. And he would love it. So, Jason, can we get into the epicness of the backstory? Hold on. Let's talk about the – I think we have to do the the tunnel scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, the tunnel happened first. Oh, okay. Sorry. Because we're stuck upstairs. So, okay. So let's get back into it. Okay. Um, So at this point, there's a cat that keeps disappearing, reappearing, and they're not sure how it's getting in and out of the house. So they follow it downstairs, and it turns out there's a tunnel that goes underneath the house, and like there's old mines and stuff. So there's a sequence. It doesn't really amount to a ton uh, where they go through the tunnels. It's creepy. I'm sure if you're in the movie theater, it's all dark and everything. This is a creepy sequence. As far as plot goes, it doesn't really do a whole lot, except it just shows how people aren't going to listen to Breaker and they just want to do what they want to do. Um, it's almost like Breaker was a modern-day scientist. Almost. So they're going through the tunnels, and they find a kid that we happen to see in like one scene earlier that is hiding, because I guess the collector went back into the town, possessed a bunch of people, and now they're like come on the loose, and this kid um, is hiding in the tunnels. So they pick up a kid, his parents are possessed and they kind of come at them and then they kind of run back out towards the house. And then Roach being the asshole he is shoots one of the demons, which I guess breaks the seal. This part I was a little fuzzy on Yeah, breaks the seal for whatever reason. So now the demons are able to get into the house. So they have to run back up to go up to the second floor and they kind of seal off the second floor. So now they're kind of right back where they were, uh, but now they're um, kind of stuck in the upstairs area. But this is where they're kind of like, okay, Breaker, tell us what the fuck's going on here. And I don't know why he waits this long to spill the beans. Yeah, but you know what's kind of cool, though, is you talk about how this movie borrows a lot from other horror films. This was mm-hmm. kind of that zombie. This had Night of the yes. Living Dead vibes to me. How they're trying to mm-hmm. escape the zombies, barricade themselves. Not zombies, obviously, in this movie. But they're trying to escape well, the demons, barricade themselves. I, I really love that. Yeah, no. This is, again, we can steal, steal from the best. Um, and make it your own. And I feel, again, it's taken me 20 years to really make these connections. Um, I'm just kind of bringing it up now. But basically, they're stuck up there. They said, Breaker, what's going on? And then he gives them the story. So now they do want to fill us in. Yeah, and before I do that, I apologize, Mondo. The um, So this is the office that I work in during the day. And um, I'm usually good at getting all the animals out, like when I have a session or whatever. <laughs> but a cat was hiding, and she came out and started meowing. <laughs> so let me... <laughs> no, you're good. I'm I'm leaving this in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm all about animal interruptions. If a cat is just showing up and like disappearing, isn't that? I mean, this is all coming together. This is exactly, yeah, exactly. what's happening in the movie. I mean, Natalie could be in peril okay. right now. We're all just laughing about it. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I got her out. So okay. So the backstory. Hang on. So I mean, like I said, this movie is oddly but greatly epic. 
right? Because like before Breaker kind of breaks it all down, um, he, you have these little flashes of him, right? Like that seem to be taking place in like a long time ago, yeah. right? And it's not, it's not explained until this part. So essentially what it is, is this key that the collector is trying to, to get from him and that he's trying to keep from the collector um, has this blood in it, right? And so um, the idea was that when God created, I'm not going to completely get it right, but when God created the universe, there was like earth and then there was like this darkness, right? The demon realm, right? Which is where these demons come from. And the demons didn't want to be relegated just to their darkness, right? So they came up with trying to get a way to, to like invade the, the good world that God had created. And so what God did was he um, filled these keys um, with, and I, I, I wrote down this quote because uh, there's something interesting about it. Uh, to save it, God filled it with the blood of a carpenter who was being crucified by the Romans and gave it to a thief named Sirach, um, which I'm going to talk about that for a second. But essentially, some of Jesus's blood is in these keys, right? And so the idea was that they've all been scattered, um, and it's not until they're all brought back together that the demons might be able to take things over, and that this is the last key, right? The demons have gotten all the other keys, right? Yeah, so Breaker is desperately trying to keep the key from them because if they get the key, we're done, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so there are these. Now, here's the thing that I didn't even, this is going to make me sound real dumb, but I didn't realize. So for a long time, <laughs> I thought the name of this movie was Demon Knight, like without the K. Um, I just assumed that it was like demon, it's a night of demons, it's Demon Knight, right? And it like wasn't until like. Andrea. <laughs> Night of the Demons is a like, different movie. What was that? Night of the Demons is a different yeah, right. movie. Right, that's a different movie, yeah. So it wasn't until like 10 or 15 years ago that I actually looked at the cover and I was like, oh, wait, it's like a knight on a horse knight. Mm -hmm. Okay, but then I was like, who is the demon knight? Right? Because it's not Billy Zane. He's the collector, right? So when I watched the movie this time around, I came to realize that the protectors of the keys are the demon knights, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So, so the idea is that um, over time, these different uh, demon knights have passed the key along. They, they live extra long, right? And their goal is to get the, protect the key and to pass it on to the person who is going to be the next demon knight. Right. And along the way, they all put a little bit of their blood in it, too. Right. Because sometimes you got to use the blood like Breaker does in this movie. Right. So it's kind of a mixture of all these people's bloods. Um, and so real quick, I, I thought it was interesting because when he said the line, you know, uh, Jesus was being crucified by the Romans and gave it to a thief named Sirach. I thought, is that the thief that was being crucified alongside Jesus? The answer is no. Um, <laughs> that guy has a lot of different names, and this is all per Wikipedia. Um, I'm Jason. Did you do this research as well? No, I mean I assume because there's a, so. What's cool is they never actually say the name Jesus. They just say a carpenter. Mm -hmm. Right, 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 right. Yeah. They show three three guys on the cross. Yeah, they show the guys on the cross, and they show like at one point uh, roaches trying to pound down a wall, and as he's pounding the wall. Uh, Breaker gets this flashback to the nails being driven in 
And so there's a lot of implication there, but they don't actually say it. Well, but it's pretty darn clear. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's very clear. Implication. <laughs> well, it, but it's, it's a cool, it's a cool example of show. Don't tell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because they said, this is Jesus blood. Instead. They said, no, it's a carpenter. I don't, right. I don't know about you guys, but, but the scene, the way they shot it when he's getting the blood from Jesus or from the carpenter, mm-hmm. um, that gave me straight uh, phantasm vibes from when they go, yes. into, when they go to the phantasm, nether realm, mm-hmm. I, I absolutely I geeked out on that because that's one of my favorite. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird awesome. deserty setting with like it's not quite natural. Like it's really cool looking. And um, just for a little bit of piece of trivia, um, uh, the demons that were unsuccessful, uh, they eventually went on to try to call you every day to sell you a car warranty. Just to let you know that. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. Or uh, sometimes I get demons who tell me that there was a fraudulent purchase on my Amazon account. Uh, and, they, and we need your social security number to resolve this. <laughs> Right. So for those for those of you, um, I was raised Catholic, which means I'm not Catholic anymore. Me too. Um, so, <laughs> um, so we you know, you know, Jesus was crucified with like the good thief and the bad thief. Right. Um, so I was like, oh, was this Sirach one of those guys? Because I couldn't remember their names. He's not. Um, those guys have different names. And if you go to Sirach, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, you could go to the Wikipedia page. I had never heard of this before. The book of Sirach, also called the Wisdom of Sirach, or simply Sirach, and known as the book of Ecclesiasticus, uh, is a Jewish work originally in Hebrew of ethical teachings written by the Jewish scribe Ben Sirach of Jerusalem. I was like, I've never heard of this. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, this is this is cool. Like, they did like a lot of research. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're gonna we haven't we haven't interviewed the uh, writers yet, but yeah, these are questions I really want to ask them. Oh, like, I want. Yeah, I want to yeah, find 100%. out what they say about that. Uh, I think um, we, I think we need Natalie on that interview now because I feel so much dumber right now. <laughs> <laughs> And one, of the things, just and one of the things now let's talk now let's talk even more about this Monaco. So one of the things we learned when we uh, talked to William Sadler, which comes on in a couple of days, is that he kind of rewrote a little bit of this whole speech. And what mm-hmm. and what we're talking about occurred to me that is that this is the Jaws monologue. So the speech where Quinn mm-hmm. talks about the Indianapolis. I never really made this connection, but this is his moment to kind of give this really cool monologue that Quinn, the actor, um, oh, what's his name? Who played Quince? Uh, Robert Shaw rewrote the scene a little bit himself. Then, mm-hmm. in Sadler, almost in a traditional way, rewrote this scene a little bit. Um, and this is kind of his jaw scene to kind of like lay down the heavy and kind of give them the stakes of what they're going for. And at the very end, he says, "You know, now you know. Do you feel better?" Yeah, he wrote that. And line. All, all the reaction shots of everyone just kind of staring, like, <laughs> "Oh crap!" Like this is even worse than we had ever imagined. <laughs> Um, and again, this, there's two things I love. I really love, I mean, two of the many things I love about this movie is one, again, that it has this cool set of rules that it really sticks to. And the second is this mythology is fascinating to me. Yeah. Like, if you wanted really? to go into it, you could write any, you could pick any stage of history. You could go to medieval yeah, times, that, you could go the Civil was, War. That was know, the thing that, that I was like, you know, reading about this, and I know Jody might get into this later, but like how the other supposedly standalone tales from the crypt movies like bordello of blood i've never even bothered watching because it just looks horrendous and then there's this third one that is like pseudo the third movie mm-hmm. um, and neither is, of is those that ritual yeah, yeah ritual neither yeah. of those were what was originally planned i was like why didn't they just make three of these this mm-hmm. this was originally supposed to be the second movie in a trilogy 
but like like Jason, the backstory is really complicated right but no but like like jason is saying like there's so much more story you could tell here definitely you know right. like why didn't they just go with the, this the graphic novel or even i think there must i'm sure there's some fan fiction out there i'm i'm more on the oh, there's gotta be. oh there's fan fiction of everything right yeah exactly <laughs> So, I mean, so again, like you could go into the past throughout different decades and, or you could go like what happens to Geraldine after she uh-huh. the night. Now, again, when you're talking about the demon knight as the knight, uh, there is a part where the collector is trying to seduce um, Geraldine and mm-hmm. he said no one's ever brought a demon knight over before. So no one's ever yeah. successfully Ooh. seduced a demon knight. And that's kind of the point where I, where I remember I was watching someone like, oh, yeah, he's talking about like a knight in shining armor, like yeah. as a title. And that just, yeah. Um, okay, so he break, he breaks this all down, and then everyone kind of like goes off. I think the kid goes th- missing at this point, mm-hmm. um, and everyone kind of goes off. And then uh, you see Roach reaches into Breaker's jacket and takes the key. Motherfucker! That, that's I was about to say motherfucker too. So I'm about to go. That son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm closing <laughs> my eyes and shaking my head. I have more to say about Roach in a minute, but yeah. I, I, like, to, I like to think that Roach eventually goes into the alternate timeline. Where he becomes buddies with Paul Giamatti and starts drinking wine, and he's still kind of a dick. But <laughs> yeah, totally. That's a sideways reference in case uh, anyone doesn't get it. Uh, that's like the um, best movie, but why is it two hours long? That's that's yeah. another podcast. <laughs> yes. Everyone kind of goes off, and Roach is like, "Oh, I'll stay here in case he comes back," which makes no sense because there's like four rooms to look at. Don't trust Roach. Why did they trust Roach? Everyone kind of disappears, oh. and then Roach kind of like goes over the ba- the blood barrier and then the collector comes out with a couple of his minions and says hey roach what you got there and roach tries to make a um a deal with the devil which never goes well and then at least one of the best parts of the movie always cracks me up is where once they make the deal um the collector says first thing you gotta do is break the blood seal yeah and he opens his mouth and the sponge just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i love it so much so good. I have to find so a good. I'm gonna post that because it's not just a sponge, but like he like loses his eyebrows. Like, hey. <laughs> oh, and uh, so so here's another trivia for you. Billy Zane came up with that because he thought I it sounded like a fun thing to do. That's awesome. I, I love that. I, I, so in this movie, I think Billy Zane was having the best time of anyone ever. Like he oh, yeah. he seems like he's having fun from moment one oh, till the end. Off tra- off trap. Yeah, one of my favorite things about this and like Tales from the Crypt, it gave this platform for these great actors just to kind of be goofy Wait. and do whatever yeah. they wanted to do. And I absolutely love that about it. We'll get, you know, actually, no, there's one person who had more fun in one scene. We'll get to that in one second. Well, what's that, Natalie? <laughs> I was going to say some actors, when they chew the scenery, like it's a bit much. I could watch Billy Zane chew the scenery like this forever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and, 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 you know, and, and Billy Zane is also uh, number three on my list. Of uh, men with the best eyelashes of all time. <laughs> uh, number one, n- is Mondo. number Who's one and two Mondo? being Jason and Jody, obviously. But uh, okay, okay, <laughs> makes sense, makes sense. Can I can I say something more about Roach, or was oh. that where you were going, Jason? Yes, go ahead. Um, it's just like you know when Roach is striking this deal, which obviously doesn't work for him and ends in his death, rightfully so, by the way. Um, does he not understand two things? Does he not understand that by giving Billy Zane what he wants, that will make the world, including himself, go away? He, he <laughs> said. He, he said it's okay. He doesn't mind this demon world because he has hemorrhoids. <laughs> so I'm not I sure know, how that relates. 
I wrote, this is Jody, where, where I wrote down in the margins, America is filled with roaches right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You know what? Uh, when I release this, when I put this on the, on the site, that's the only tagline to me on the whole episode is America is filled with roaches right now. <laughs> uh, God. Um, I, I think he had that mentality of uh, honor amongst thieves, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll fuck over all these people because they're righteous. But I'm like you, and you're not gonna fuck me over, which right. is why it's all the more satisfying when he gets fucked over. Yeah, yeah. No, that I, hey, I, one I, more thing, I lied. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Oh, good. Like, what else were you expecting, dummy? Exactly. Like- <laughs> but that's what's so great about it is we all knew what was gonna happen, and this guy didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for God's sake, Roach. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Um, so the collector now has the key, so but he needs to kill the demon knight, I guess. He, he needs to kill, because basically the whole point is that there's seven people that were at, at the house, and one of those seven people is going to become the next demon knight. Mm-hmm. So I think he has to make sure he kills everyone so the, de- the line of demon knights is, is over. For whatever reason, I guess he can't just go and take the key and do because his thing. Because movie. Because movie. Yeah. So at this point, they're looking for the kid, um, and they find a stash of weapons and a letter from uh, Wally saying that he loves Cordelia and he's going to murder everyone at work. So this is where they realize that Wally was actually crazy and dangerous. Unfortunately, none of the weapons have any ammo, uh, but they do find like a vest or of some sort with a bunch of grenades attached. So a lot of grenades. A lot of grenades, a lot of bang bangs. Um, so Breaker also finds, oh no, this is the part, this is what I was talking about. So Dick Miller is awesome. We all know he's, you know, legendary yeah. actor. He's been acting he's since man. the yep. 50s. He's been acting for like 60 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, rest in peace, because I think he passed away in 2019. Yeah. Um, he was in Gremlins, Night of the Creeps, The Birds, The Howling, so many things. Don't forget, um, oh my gosh. Oh, why Why am I blanking the, the, the mall, the one in the mall? Ch- Chopping mall. Chopping mall. Chopping mall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he gets the scene where the uh, collector tries to seduce him, and uh, Dick Miller's character is an alcoholic because he's always trying to sneak sneak a drink of the pooch. And the collector seduces him by kicking him to some tropical bar filled with topless women mm-hmm. and trying to give him drinks. And I'm thinking like Dick Miller must have had the best time ever filming this scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love Billy Zane in that he's got the yeah. oh yeah the captain's hat and the sunglasses like complete chomping on that cigar yeah complete douchebag outfit perfectly yeah. befitting a demon it's fantastic it's, it's funny because the scene starts and it's funny right you're like of course mm-hmm. this is what uncle willie would be like a tropical bar with a bunch of topless women with huge boobs right like and they're all like uncle willie uncle willie right <laughs> so and then you then you see like the billy zane hamming it up but then when they get to that part where like you know it, this is what a great actor dick miller was like Mm-hmm. He turns it right. It's like it gets sad, you know, because yeah. you can see it. at first he's like, yeah, this is great. But then he realizes what's going on. And, and this is the addiction therapist in mm-hmm. me. He realizes what's going on. And then he realizes that he's willing to do it no matter what. Yeah. Because right. he's an alcoholic and how sad that is. Right. And Dick Miller sells that, you know. Yeah, he knows what the consequences are. He knows exactly. He, he plays the tape to the end. Uh huh. Still, can't. He still says, "Yeah, yeah, I want the booze." Yeah. Now I will say, just like Mondo, that is probably of, of a movie filled with great Billy Zane scenes. 
that might be my favorite. There's something about him just hamming it up with that big cigar chomping and the hat and the whole like yeah. I love it. He's hamming it up, but he's still playing just in line with being an asshole demon. Like, yeah, that's the kind of guy. If he showed up at your party, you'd be like, I'm going to punch that guy in the face after three more beers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so then, uh, Dick Miller's character, Uncle Willie gets possessed and then he like attacks the kid and he attacks Breaker and then there's a bit of a struggle. They have to cut off his head and destroy the eyes, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Dude, they just cut off the kids. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but this is where Breaker finds like a bow and arrow. So then the collector is roaming the second floor and then, uh, Breaker hits him in the head with a arrow. The collector falls. Yeah, great, cool, cool, like point of view of the arrow shot, yeah. almost yeah. like head style. So well done. Um, so the, the collector falls over, drops the key, so they get the key back, thankfully. Uh, but now the demons are coming up, and all the only people that are left are uh, Breaker, Geraldine, uh, the kid, uh, Irene, CJ's Pounder, and the deputy who's like been yeah. useless mm-hmm. the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oh, he runs way, out of ammo real the, quick at the, the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I forgot to say this when I mentioned that Gary Farmer, who plays the deputy, is indigenous. He was also in Blood Quantum. Oh, I, I love that movie. Yeah, he's been in. He's in. He's, one. in like, he's one of those uh, Native American actors that, like, you know, along with like a few other that, like, they've been in all the Native American Hollywood made movies. Uh, not that Blood Quantum was Hollywood; it was Canadian, mm. but. Um, just I, I mentioned that because it was a recent movie we've probably all seen. Oh, nice. Right. Okay. So now they're trying to retreat, trying to find like a, a safe haven. I guess there's a uh, is it steeple? What's the word for like the the yeah uh, yeah it's it's a this little area in the little steeple. crow's nest up there. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of like their last their last place of refuge. And um, Irene and uh, Deputy Bob is that his name? Bob. Yep. Bob. Um, they decide to stay behind, sacrifice themselves with all those grenades. And again, this reminded me again of Aliens, where Vasquez and um, it was Gorman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. blow themselves up while they're being cornered by the aliens. So again, I, I have no problem with them, uh, you know, copying that. That's great. It's that gives a nice, satisfying end to them. It gives Deputy Bob something, you know, to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they're kind of caught up. It's just um, Breaker, the kid, and Geraldine. Right. And this mm-hmm. scene is so good. This is one of the, the oh, scenes yeah. that I've always remembered for all 26 years. And I remember when I was watching it going, wow, this is really good. The scene where the the, the kids' comic book pages are flipping yeah. and the cut between that and the movie and that and the movie. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. Yeah. So the kids in the this corner, he's reading, it has comic right book. <laughs> he's reading a comic book and the comic book panels are matching what's happening in the movie. Yes. Yeah. And then they're kind of coming al- coming to life a little bit. And then this is what I realized. This is this is a meta part that I never really thought of. How funny is it that an EC comic is leading to a kid being corrupted? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I'm sure that's intentional. Uh, that scene gave me super uh, creep show vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the first thing I thought of. I was like, this is reminds me of the intro of creep show, which is there's nothing wrong with that. Right. It's, and then so the kid becomes possessed. Um because you wear the comic book. <laughs> I think that's yeah. Really- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then because Breaker's not Breaker now realizes that Geraldine is the one. He says, You're mm-hmm. the one, you're the new, you're the new demon knight, essentially. And he's trying to give her the key. She's trying to come to grips with what this means for the rest of her life. But then the kid is possessed, and like he does that again, he grabs the key and he does that thing where you know his mouth starts falling apart, and his body like starts mm-hmm. like his like super long icky tongue. 
gets like, a tail breaker and like jabs yeah. him in the chest um and of course geraldine you know kills i think she pushes him through the window yeah kicks him out the window that's mm-hmm. been sealed with the blood seal so he like explodes and that cool shot of, that cool like 90s shot of the sneaker falling i don't know why yeah. it just seems like a very 90s thing where someone explodes but the sneaker is fine <laughs> um and then this is where breaker is dying um oh also i think we skipped over this part but the uh, Collector did try to seduce Geraldine and Irene, actually, mm-hmm. both of them. And yeah. he tries to give Irene a new arm. <laughs> right. On a plate. On oh, a yeah. plate. Yeah. He's like, oh, we got the special today. A fresh new arm. <laughs> and she kind of points her stub at him and he says, that yes. He's like, no, that's me giving you the finger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Irene cannot be bought. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. technically, since since Irene rejected the Collector, she could have been the new demon knight before she blew her blew herself up. That's yes. a good right? point. That's a good point. And I would yeah. definitely watch that movie too. Yeah. Like Irene, the new demon knight with one arm going uh, around fighting the collector. Amazing. I love Irene. <laughs> um so he tried to seduce her, and he also tries did try to seduce Geraldine by showing her like how glamorous she could be and like all this trips and things and this better life because she's you know kind of down on her luck. Um does that much means? He also tells her that eventually Bricker's gonna die. He kind of again plays tape to the end a little bit and says, "There's no way in the situation where Bricker does not die," and that kind of comes to fruition a little bit. I think that sh- that shakes Sterling even more, saying, "Oh crap, he was right." But um, I think she kind of accepts the role. Um, she takes the bl- Breaker's blood, puts it the rest. Of- she fills up the key essentially because she needs mm-hmm. that. At this point, it's just the two of them now. We just mm-hmm. have. Geraldine, or not Geraldine. Um, Geraldine. Geraldine. Yeah, the names are. Yeah, no, I, I keep wanting to say the wrong thing. Geraldine mm-hmm. and the collector are the only two left now. So it's it's mm-hmm. it's a battle one on one. Yep. Yep. Right. So the collector kind of has this really cool shot where he just kind of rises up from the mm-hmm. ground. So, like, there's like a stairs. I'm supposed to go up to this little steeple, but he like rises up with this like backlight and he has these really cool sunglasses again in the 90s. Those cool, I think like Oakley's or something like that. Those kind of wraparound glasses. Um, and he says, you know, you're the only one left. You know, might as well come over to the dark side. Give me the key. There's nothing left to really happen here. And she's like kind of, she's stripped down. But she's kind of covered in blood. He thinks he's been injured. But no, she um, covers herself in Breaker's blood. Mm-hmm. Again, if the blood touches the demon, the demon gets hurt. So the demon can't touch her, so he kind of runs away, and then she's kind of well. He, he he doesn't just run away; he does like a little dive through the hole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's cool, and it's almost kind of like the ending of Predator in a way, where it's like, okay, we've got rid of all the other characters now. It's just two. Let's cat and mouse game between the two people. Mm-hmm. It's kind of been whittled down. So she's kind of you know going around trying to find him, and then there's a bathroom where they get to put the head of the body in the head of the sheriff. <laughs> And she notices the um, the curtain, the bathroom um, curtain is missing. And then he grabs her from behind with the curtain and washes off the blood. So yeah. now she's kind of defenseless. And then he grabs but the key. She, she is a smart final girl. She figures yes. out what yeah. to do. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was really smart. And then she has the key, but I guess the key is not as harmless if it doesn't have the blood in it. Mm-hmm. So I guess the key kind of slips out and he like starts pouring it out, but then she grabs it and pours a bunch of blood into her mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the mouth feel of she's that must be 
She's willing to do what needs to be done, even if it's gross. Yeah. Respect. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So she's got this mouthful of blood. He's washing her off. And then he takes her downstairs. And, like, he tries to seduce her, which he says, mm-hmm. you know, no one's ever brought a demon knight over before. And he right. kind of, mm-hmm. again, this is Billy Zane, like, turning up to, like, 15. Right. Um, and I was actually, I, I wrote a note, like, you know, he kind of has it all right now got the key he doesn't know she has a mouthful of blood but he's got the key he could easily kill her but he's gotten too big for his britches now and mm-hmm. he's like not no i don't want that i want all this and i want to seduce you yes. and that's his downfall right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a kind of a classic tales of the crypt like mm-hmm. well it's a yeah. classic horror trope because i've always said that freddie could kill so many people if he just walked up to them and stabbed them but not yeah. he's, he's, <laughs> But but much like the collector is uh, part of the enjoyment is the game behind it and the yeah. and mm-hmm. and, the, and the fear and the seduction so it's uh, I, I like that. Fr- Freddy's just got to be too creative and tell all the jokes and yeah. then he gets killed because I can kill this person but I've only made three wisecracks and my quota is five so <laughs> yeah. I don't get paid if I don't make five wisecracks. And Geraldine tries to stab him with the key in the eye, and he like pretends that he's hurt, but he's really not. He's just fucking with her. Yeah. yeah. And he says that that only works on low-level demons, which makes mm-hmm. you th- realize that there's actually probably a hierarchy at some point. Mm-hmm. But maybe again, he's thinking that if we can turn Geraldine over with him uh, and bring the key back, maybe he'll get a promotion to right. whatever is a higher <laughs> demon. So who knows? So as you said earlier, like the regional manager demon. Yeah. <laughs> as you said before, stage one demons, you get a cubicle and a phone. And you cold call people about goddamn car warranties. <laughs> this is how you know they're from hell because they're working in a hierarchy in a business situation. There you go. I like that. Yep. It bites them in the end. So yeah, he's like trying to convince her. He's like, mom and dad are going to love you. And then like, this is great little thing where he gets a little um, aggressive and he like throws her down and his like pants make like unzipping noise and like this like I don't know how you explain it, like a lightning bolt comes out of his crotch and he's like down boy down and my wife happened that's to walk by this other that's the only other use of CGI in the movie. Yeah. Yeah my wife like walks by at this point she's like what is this? See they, <laughs> that's kind of funny. They use CGI for that and all they had to do was hire William Defoe. <laughs> <laughs> Missed opportunity. But that would have been confusing because he's confusing. <laughs> he wanted to make it pretty obvious what was going on. Okay. No confusion. Um, so he's doing his bit, and then, you know, Jolene's got the mouthful bush, so she can't say anything or really react, but you can tell she's like terrified. Mm-hmm. And she's not responding. He gets mad and everything. And then he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to kill you. And he says, uh, "Was if I can't have your soul, I'll have your heart." And he's about—he's got like a fingernail that's really long and sharp. And he's about to rip it out. At that point, Geraldine spits all the blood onto his face, and then there's this really cool sequence where like his face melts, his body starts disintegrating, and then this really cool demon—I don't know what the hell—is a model or a puppet or yeah, puppet, big like wing thing. Yeah, like showing his true demon nature. Like comes out in flames, is like exploding. And you know the whole house kind of explodes, but she's protected by whatever force. Um, and she's okay. The demon is destroyed. She refills. That's the next day. She refills the key. Um, she you knows she's got to move on, so she gets on the bus. Um, and she puts makes a blood seal on the bus, which is again really smart. Smart girl. Her. Smart girl. Though it makes you wonder how long Clever the key. Girl. Would- 
plug the key would really um, last. If everywhere you go, you have to seal like the rest of yeah. your life. Well, that's why everybody has to refill it. Yeah, well, I, I was wondering about the bus because the bus is full of windows. Like it depends on how aggressive the uh, the collector is going to be. Well, I feel like if you try to jump through the window, the bus driver would get slightly upset and he blows cover. That's true. And it just depends on how aggressive the collector is. If the collector's <laughs> like, "I'm gonna blow up this bus," well, it doesn't matter if the the door is sealed or not. Do they mention if um uh, if the demon knight can actually refill the vial with his own blood? Yeah, I mean that's what happens. They did, okay, I'm so sorry. Well, they're still alive. Yeah, I think Breaker was doing that at some but, point. Yeah, he yeah. did. Okay, I did. I did. I must have missed that. Okay. Yeah, the idea is that the blood is now a mixture. It's like mm-hmm. some of it is Jesus's blood, but it's also the blood of each of the knights because yeah. you have to use it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so I, they because I remember her filling it off his blood, but I didn't. I didn't know he filled it himself off his blood. All right, cool. Or she could have like got a canister and filled it with the rest of his blood. And, <laughs> it's a little you know, bonus. Yeah. Little backup. Um, now here's my question. So one thing they don't really talk about in the movie, they, he keeps saying, all we have to do is survive the night. So what happens in the day? Does that mean the demons are weaker? They just can't do anything. They never really say what happens in the daytime, but we just assume it's just, I think it's the standard, um, bad things only happen at night. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the reason why I bring that up is because the very last scene of the movie is the bus goes to the next stop and there's a, uh, well-dressed African-American guy mm-hmm. who steps up to the bus, looks down, looks around the the opening and says, nah, I'll take the next one. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously the new collector, mm-hmm. but he's, but it's during the day. So that's why I was like a little confused for a second. Well, and then uh, the best, not the best part of the movie. He walks away whistling mm-hmm. the tales in the crypt thing. That's right. Yeah, and that's that, so good. And that was one of the, just a cool, a cool little uh, Easter egg there. Yeah. Right. So then it kind of pans out over the desert. There's a grave with some fresh flowers. Of course, a hand pops out, grabs the flowers. It's this cool little shot where it's kind of going underground. And uh, you can see like a mouse. You see a skeleton. And I was reading the trivia on this. And the skeleton mm-hmm. had like a tag that said Hoffa. So supposedly, you know, I guess, <laughs> yeah. it was just kind of funny. And of course, it brings us down to the crypt with the crypt keeper. And he's going to the movie's premiere. And um, they Which go there. Bad. Real quick, that that was the the Bruin Theater in Westwood, which is right by UCLA. Oh, cool! Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's going to the movie premiere, but of course, his producers are there to give him final cut, <laughs> and which of course includes a guillotine, and they uh, chop off his head, and then his head is laying in there, the crypt keeper, and he says, "That's entertainment." <laughs> and then, of course, just like the show, we get the outro, uh, the same outro we have on the show. Yeah. And that is Demon Knight with a teaser for some movie that didn't actually happen. (laughs) Joy, do you want to talk about that? What's that? Do you want to talk about that? That little stinger at the end? Yeah, sure. Uh, Yeah, we we can. Is this trivia or am I just talking? Let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. Okay. So uh, at the end, at the very end of the credits, the Crypt Keeper kind of pops back up in like a little Bugs Bunny kind of way with like whoop sound. And he said, you know, like, if you can't get enough of all the blood and guts, stay tuned for Dead Easy coming. And he gives a date. Uh, that never came. There was no movie called Dead Easy. <laughs> uh, it was intended to be the second uh, film in a trilogy. Uh, there was going to be Dead Easy, which was a zombie story set in New Orleans, but it was abandoned. And there was going to be a movie called Body Count that didn't happen. Uh, so the only other follow-up 
official was Bordello of Blood a couple of years later, which I know Natalie hasn't seen, but I, I kind of like. Uh, and then Ritual came later. Well, it, it's funny. And Ritual is not a, an official one. It's a uh, it's a direct to video. It, it exists. Yeah, I watched the trailer for Ritual just out of curiosity the other day, and you, from the trailer, it does not mention Tales from the Crypt whatsoever. No, 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 no. It's it's. I, I feel like Ritual is one of those movies that they made, and then they were like, "Let's put Tales from the Crypt on it." Kind of like uh, American Pie. Like, there's all these American Pie movies that have nothing to do with American Pie. I think that's just they put a label on it to make it sound like like you should watch it. Yeah, it's like what Hellraiser became. It's all these other scripts that they just like threw Pinhead in. And that's a Hellraiser movie. But anyway, so yeah, uh, the Crypt Keeper says, uh, look out for Dead Easy. Uh, We're still waiting. It never happened. (laughs) I'm looking out for a long time. We all slowly become looking more like a Crypt Keeper. Okay, so what, what, what other thoughts do we have on this as a whole? I'll this say is such a fun yeah. movie. I, it, it, this is this is a full out like get your popcorn, have a couple drinks, hang out with your friends, and just have a great time kind of movie. It's interesting that the that their movie isn't based actually on an EC comic. Yeah. So they're kind of they're kind of able to go a little bigger. They they give you kind of what you want. There's some gore. There's plenty of gore. There's two instances of lots of boobs. <laughs> um, but they give you something a little more grand, and yeah. the casting is so good, mm-hmm. top to bottom. Yeah, no this this cast is absolutely insane. Oh, like any yeah. movie with these actors in it is going to be at least worth watching. And then yeah. you get this good script, and then Ernest Dickerson's uh, directing. Yeah. It's just crazy. I, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. And again, you have Billy Zane hamming it up, just gnawing on the tr- the scenery. Uh, William Stadler, he, he gives the character like this weight, of, like you know, the weight of a guy who has the the, the fate of the universe is on his shoulders, and he's been doing this for like a hundred years. Mm-hmm. So you find out that he was in World War One, I, I believe. Um, the World War One, the World War Two, the scene where he becomes the new Demon Knight. I believe it's World War One um, in France. Um, and he just conveys that 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 weight of everything, and then you know you have Jada Pinkett Smith just being this badass, smart final girl. Um, and again, this is where another alien thing. She's kind of the Ripley of it, where she's just kind of mm-hmm. in the cast and she's strong, but you don't quite you don't really think that she's going to be the one to make it all the way through. And lo and behold, you know, yeah. that's just how things shake out. Mm-hmm. And originally, I think they were going to do Cameron Diaz is who the studio wanted for that role. What? Uh, I'm glad that I'm Ooh. glad that. And yeah. no, no, that would not have worked. Yeah, no, nothing no, against Cameron no. Diaz, but this was not her role. Jada Pinkett Smith no, no, owned no. this yeah. role and made she her own. Owns it. So In good my, on her. For what it's worth, I think Cameron Diaz has a can be very good, but she has a limited range. Mm-hmm. And if she's in that range, she's great. This role is not in that range. But I, I mean, I, yeah, it, it would have to have been a totally different setup. Yeah, yeah. for her to, to her have done that. So I'm not saying she couldn't have, but for what it is right now, she, you could not have plugged her into that role as it is. No. Um, and then, you know, all the other bit actors just have moments to shine and they all just do really well. Mm-hmm. The effects, the, the all the practical effects are really cool, really haunting. Because again, I didn't see this when it came out in the theater. That's one of the things I want to do. At some point, we, I want to, I need to see this in the movie theater. Because uh, I'm sh- the, I remember the promos when I was a kid, seeing those demons scared the mm-hmm. shit out of me as a kid. It was terrifying. This- I mean, this is a really good-looking movie. Like, I don't know what the budget was for it, but it looks freaking fantastic. Like, 
every and there there was a whole string of '90s movies that just looked really well shot and and like high budget slick movies. Mm-hmm. This was before that trend, and it looks so good. Yeah, I would love yeah, to I, see it on a big screen in 4K. <clears throat> like that'd be amazing. Yeah, no, we, my friend, so I went with my two friends, the one friend kind of peer pressured the, the two of us to, to go, because uh, neither one of us were feeling a horror movie, and we went to Universal City Walk, the, uh, the oh, cool. used to, is it still an AMC? Yeah, it's still an yeah, AMC. Yeah, it's still an AMC. Saw it up there, um, and my, my one friend who, who peer pressured us to go kept fucking with me the whole time, like, like, whoa, like something, whoa, <laughs> you know, and I was just like, <laughs> stop it, you asshole. Um, but no, it was, it was a blast to see on the big screen and, you know, it was just, we didn't see it opening weekend. I would have remembered seeing it like the weekend of my birthday. So it must've been a weekend after that. And the theater was just the three of us. And then a few rows in front of us, there was this family that was just crazy, like crazy (laughs) in the best way. Like everything that happened in the movie, they were just like, And they were just like that the whole time. And it was so much fun. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's the same theater I saw Cabin in the Woods in. So mm-hmm. that's a fun theater. Yeah. Um, okay. So speak, speaking of seeing this movie and, and the initial reception, what's crazy about this movie? This movie has a 38% positive on Rotten Tomatoes. Like this movie was a huge bomb, which is just mm-hmm. completely insane to me. I need to look at this so I can never respect the opinions of anybody that hated this movie. Well, that's exactly again. what I was going with with that is, you know, especially as a horror fan, critics are sometimes an interesting way to find out about a movie, but they are definitely not the final no. arbitrator of whether a movie is good or no, not. I, I said before that I used to be a huge fan of Roger Ebert, um, but I did not respect his opinion on horror. I just yeah, no, I, I'm the same way. Roger Ebert has a lot of good things to say, but when he starts talking about horror, I just don't listen no. anymore. Although I will say in his later years, he did start respecting way more and more of the horror genre. But yeah, his early years, true. he's shitting everything. And I'm like, no, you're shitting all these good movies. And yeah, it's I think we look through horror through a different lens. I think that's OK. Like mm-hmm. my main filter for a movie or my main review for a movie is when I'm done with the movie. Did I enjoy it? Did I have a good time? Was 100%. I entertained for 90 minutes? Um, and if you entertain me for 90 minutes, I'm not going to have a whole lot of bad things to say about you. Yeah. Yeah. And also, don't forget, this is 1995. So this is like a year. This is kind of like in that really lull in the 90s mm-hmm. um, horror. A year before Scream. A year before Scream. So that kind of kickstarted everything all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in one of the other movies that they were trying to make into a Tales from the Crypt uh, franchise movie was uh, Dust Till Dawn. Which you know, oh. you, you could see that really fitting in, yeah. but Tarantino didn't want to play ball, or there was something they couldn't get negotiation. So, I don't know if that came up right before or right after this. So, um, I, I'm, was, I'm pretty sure that fell through because, um, the producers of Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight wouldn't let uh Tarantino suck on Selma Hayek's toes. <laughs> okay. Can can we not I, put that I, image in my head? Like, <laughs> That just came up on Slack like a few weeks ago. I was telling Jared, like, that is the most egregious misuse of the foot fetish thing in any of Tarantino. I mean, I know that was a Rodriguez movie. Right. But in any of Tarantino's work, like, that scene is the epitome of, <laughs> let this guy do this. I could not have felt good about this. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that Tarantino did that movie for free. And that was his his payment was, oh. okay. and, and it was crazy. He's like, 
you watch it and it's, it's kind of weird. And then you get older and you you read about why that scene is in there. And you're like, oh, ugh. <laughs> right. And, and, just, and just, it's, there's nothing wrong with having a fetish. Correct. But like a, a crypt keeper, pun intended, shoehorning it into every single project nice. that you do <laughs> with these beautiful actresses is just like it's it's creepy. Like yeah. keep doing your personal life, spend your wife's toes, whatever. Don't keep doing this, bro. Stop. Well, it's it's kind of weird when you write it into a film and you're yeah. in that scene, knowing yeah. you have that fetish. And then it's one of those things where it's like, oh, are you only doing that so you can do this yes. to an uncomfortable oh. actress? And, you know, I'm not putting words in Salma Hayek's mouth. Maybe she was cool with it. Maybe they talked about it. Maybe. I don't know. But it's kind of weird. And I'm okay. sorry to take us way off the rails. But All right. Yeah, this episode's running way late. And um, I, I, I love the contents. But let's uh, let's move on a little bit. So let's do our rankings. Obviously, I'm a 5. I'm a 10. I'm a 100. Whatever. <laughs> as high as I can go. Um, Natalie. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, you, Jason, you and I originally bonded over discovering that we were both demon night people. So like, yeah, this movie is a five, a 10, a hundred, whatever it's, it's tops for me. Jody. Yeah, no, I was a late arrival to demon night. And the first time I saw it, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty good. But every time I watch it, I find more and more stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. And so it has moved from, I mean, it was like a, four to begin with, but it is definitely moved up into that five category up on some secret watches. All right, Mondo. All right. So I'm going to go with two and uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> you asshole. This, no, this is I'm, the last episode. I'm sorry. Yeah, We're no, done. it's, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a home run for me, man. It's a five. Uh, it, it hits so many, just, it's got the kind of the cool, you know, the gory moments. It's got the actual horror it's got the comedy. It's a fun movie. Uh, it's you can't watch this movie and not have a smile on your face at the end. It's a five out of five, no questions. All right, let's move on to Mondo with your song of the day. All right, I have an interesting one today. Well, not really. Um, so Demon Knight have one of the coolest soundtracks as a young uh, metalhead growing up. So I definitely own the soundtrack. What I love about it is is it's got a very interesting track listing. And I also own this on vinyl. It's all these metal bands or like ministry, industrial metal or whatever. And then the last track is a song by the Gravediggers. So I, I love the fact that it ends the soundtrack on the one song that kind of doesn't fit with the rest of the bands, but they fit because the Gravediggers were the, were the best. Uh, Six Feet Deep is one of my favorite records of all time. But I'm going to pick a band that was on the Demon Knight so- soundtrack, but I'm not going to pick the song on the soundtrack. Uh, Biohazard was on there. Biohazard being a New York kind of a hardcore band that they were really the, the the purveyors of the whole rap metal movement, you know, which other bands did very, very poorly. They did very, very well. Uh, where Because they were literally a band from dudes from Brooklyn who grew up in, in a rough part of town. Um, and they also did collaborations with the rap group Onyx back in the day because they all kind of grew up in the same area of Brooklyn. I remember Onyx. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a throwback. You just took me way back. Oh, so if you watch a video for Slam, basically the only white guys in that video is Biohazard. <laughs> and they they actually collaborated later on. It was uh, uh, the movie with Emilio Estevez and the RV, and they're going to see a uh, Judgment Night, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually a really good movie and kind of it's an intense decent, movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they collaborated on that later on with the song Judgment Night. And what's interesting is they do a song on this uh, on this um, soundtrack called Beaten, which has never appeared anywhere else except for the soundtrack. Not my favorite of their 
other songs, to be honest. So I'm going to pick a song off of their album, Urban Discipline. Urban Discipline came out in 1992. And it was considered, in my opinion, the best record they ever did. And it's a buck, it's a top 10 album of all time for me. On there, they have a song called Punishment, which ended up being their radio hit. And I say radio hit very loosely because they had to edit it. But it has an intro from uh, Dolph Lundgren's The Punisher. <laughs> uh, but the word punishment just kind of fits very well because the bad people in this movie definitely got their punishment. Um, but Urban Discipline's one of my favorite records of all time. And uh, it definitely, you haven't heard, like, everyone should listen to that album because you'll find pieces of it that were greatly influential upon albums that came out even 10 years later, two years later, five years later, and they don't get a lot of credit for what they did. Um, and now I'm going to take this and I'm going to somehow six degrees of separation bring this back to demon knight the bassist of um biohazard went by the name of evan seinfeld well that's his real oh, i know where you're going with this you know where i'm going with this. all right i why well, you might know where i'm going with it i yep. don't know uh but uh he later on was in oz and he played a white supremacist in oz which is interesting because they never hid his star of david tattoo on his chest or on his stomach um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he uh, later on, he was married to uh, Tara Patrick, the sex worker, and later on married to um, another one after that. I can't remember her name. I think I think porn star is an okay term. Is I've okay? worked with porn stars. All right. Hey, <laughs> she made a lot of money. Hey, man, like, good for you. I, she, she's retired. I'm not. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, but he's actually a second cousin of Jerry Seinfeld. Are you serious? Dead serious. I did not know that. Jerry Seinfeld played in a little show called, can you guess the name of the show? Seinfeld. <laughs> with, uh, with Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander was the voice of Duckman. Yeah. Taking this real way back. Yes. On Duckman, Steven Weber played a character on Duckman. Steven we Weber go. was in Wings with Thomas Hayden Church. Wow. Whoa. That is a beautiful. So that is beautiful. So that- that was beautiful, but I I had something far more efficient in mind. <laughs> I want to hear I want to hear this because I felt like I took the longest route possible, but I got there. Yeah, you did. You totally did. So I thought you were going to say Evan Seinfeld was a porn star and he was married to Tara Patrick. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure at some point Tara Patrick has starred in a movie with Chasey Lane. Chasey Lane is in the Uncle Willie seduction scene. That's right. Okay, cool. Oh, there we <laughs> go. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I, I went a little bit different route, but we got there. We got no. There. You were much more creative than I was. <laughs> Mondo always. And, and you threw in a Duckman reference. That's so, true, I mean, man. I'm 100 percent with you on this. All right, Jody, give us your trivia of the day. Okay, short and sweet this time. Uh, when Breaker is in World War One, and uh, he gets the mantle of the Demon Knight passed to him, the one who pace, passes that to him is named. The soldier who, who dies there is named Dickerson, which is a tribute to the director, Ernest Dickerson, who really should make more horror movies. I, I want him to make more. Please do. Yes. Listen to this podcast and make more movies. That's all I'm saying. I invited him to give an interview. I haven't heard back yet, but maybe soon. But he actually did a bunch of Walking Dead, like kind of in the heyday of Walking Dead. He did the, the Wire. He did Dexter. He did Bones. So, yeah. He's still working plenty, and he's giving. Oh no, he, he's doing lots of work. I just yeah. I need him to make another yeah. straight out horror movie. Man, mm-hmm. If they made, we've got what this and Bones. And are, bones those, are those his it. only horror movies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, made, we need more. If he made a Demon Knight sequel and got Jada Pinkett Smith to do it with him, I would. <laughs> oh, oh, 
That would be chef's kiss. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And to wrap things up, usually we do dad advice, but Natalie is our guest. Natalie is a therapist. So Natalie, can you give us some therapist advice? Because I'm sure we could all use a little bit. Now, is this just like anything? Like about anything? anything? Whatever, whatever you yeah. want to do. Um, okay. So I will give a very practical piece of therapist advice, mm-hmm. which is that Um, If you want to try to find a therapist that is in network with your insurance, in other other words, one that you don't have to pay out of pocket like myself, one that you just have to pay your $20 or $40 copay to, do not go through your insurance company, okay? Mm. Because that is a very frustrating and demoralizing process. You will go through this big long list that your insurance company gives you. Half the people will not respond to you. The other half will either say that they are full or that they haven't been in network with that insurance company for months or years. They rarely update that list. So what you do instead, go to Google, type in psychology today, therapist finder. Okay. Look for somebody in your area, filter the search results for your insurance company. And then contact those therapists to double check that they are indeed in network with your insurance company. That will be a far more efficient and far less frustrating process. That's great advice. And I love it. Access to mental health care is so important and getting the right therapist for your needs. Yeah. hundred percent. Have, have no stigma there. Mm -hmm. It's 2021. Go, Go see a yeah. therapist. Like it's okay. Everybody, just just go to therapy. Please. Yeah. That's yeah. the other advice. Just go to therapy. Tony <laughs> Tony Soprano was taking was going to therapy in 1998. Like if Tony Soprano can do it, we can all do it. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really just reach out to someone if, if you need to. It's just you know whatever you yeah. can do, do your best. Okay. On that note, that wraps up another episode this week. We have even more Demon Knight content. On Tuesday, we're releasing our interview with William Sadler, star of Demon Knight. On Thursday, we're releasing our interview with two of the writers of Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. So you've got plenty more Demon Knight content after this jumbo episode you're listening to. And on Sunday, we are releasing season two premiere of Tales from the Crypt, Dead Rights. We would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating or review on iTunes. And we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt. And thank you again for Natalie for joining us. It's yes, thank you so yes, much. 100%. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or I will follow you to the grave. <laughs> no, seriously, you really should watch. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it.